Welcome to season seven of Franchise Findings. This is your host, Patrick Fundaro. We're gonna continue to interview franchisees of some very large franchise organizations as well as emerging concepts, as well as founders and top professionals in the franchising space. I hope you enjoy our podcast as well as today's episode. So today you have two Patricks, Patrick Fundaro, co-founder at Vetted Biz, also joined by Patrick Conlin who's the president of Wayback Burgers. Patrick, thanks a lot for joining. Thanks, I appreciate the time. Um, so you have a, a long experience in franchise and in particular in the, the restaurant segment. Could you tell me a little bit about uh, your, your background and, and graduating from Rutgers and how you ended up in the, uh, the restaurant and franchising space? I always wanted to be in my own business and uh, started out as a, as a teenager delivering newspapers a long time ago when people actually read newspapers, hard copies. <laughs> and then, um, and then worked for a guy through junior high and high school that owned an ice cream store. And um, he was an entrepreneur, saw how you know he was able to live his life by owning his own business. Then went to Rutgers and my sister and brother-in-law were involved in a franchise concept on Long Island by Hofstra University. And um, through them, after I got out of college, I went to the work for the parent company down in Atlanta for a year and then moved back to Long Island, bought the... Um, the area developer rights to Long Island opened up. Uh, you bought it. You're like 24 years old buying area 20, development yeah, rights. Yeah, 20, 22, <laughs> 22. Well, it was also it was very early on, or early on in that company's uh, evolution of doing area development rights. But still, I mean, I feel like you don't have like millennials these days, like <laughs> take signing like a contract for 10 years and be like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to grind it. I'm going to build out all these locations. Yeah. So it was it was interesting and um, it worked out uh, it worked out great and um, you know we opened up some of our own we um, we sold franchises awarded franchises and um, and did that for a long portion of my life was on the area developer advisory council for many years and then um, an opportunity came up with Wayback Burgers um, a friend of mine is the the owner. And um, he would always say to me, you know, when you're ready to move to Connecticut, I have a position for you. And I said, can I do it from Long Island? And he said, when you're ready to move to Connecticut. So uh, six years ago, the time was right for both of us. <laughs> and uh, and I, I packed up the truck and moved up to Connecticut. And uh, it's been a great, great run, great time, great franchisees, great system. So uh, it really it worked out uh, great. It worked out terrific for me. And and. Uh, you know, having a fun time. How was it trading sandwiches for burgers? Um, pretty similar. Uh, you know, you have the same the same challenges, the same uh, same opportunities, the same problems. And and I think probably in any um, franchise concept, it's uh, it's just how you attack them and how you solve them. And somebody told me a long time ago, uh, you know, every day and in, in probably in most businesses, but in the franchise business, you're going to come in and you know, yeah, you have a plan of what you're going to do today and then, you know, something happens and it's how you uh, deal with those different challenges that pop up every day. But that's what's also makes it interesting um, and fun because every day is going to be a different day. And it's just, you know, how you get through that and, and really how you help people. Well, people, why there are so many go things going on is people, yeah. like how many people are in the way back you know, burgers, organization, corporate to franchisees, to all their employees. There's going to be what, 10,000 people? <laughs> uh, probably not. Probably we have uh, 170 so locations. We So that's 100 and probably about 100 franchisees. Um, 
and then they all have per their location, employees. How many, how many W-2s per location? Yeah, I was going to say they have all their employees, uh, probably uh, W-2s. They, they churn out a, a ton of those. Um, so I, I would I would venture to say that they're probably doing a busy restaurant is probably doing about 100 a year. Um, yeah. So yeah. that's a lot of people. That's awesome. It's fulfilling, I'm sure. But there's a lot of problems when you're dealing with people. Yeah. And and then the customers, the guests, and the customers, come the even more. <laughs> uh, so that's uh, hopefully there are no no problems. Those are all, uh, you know, good, happy good, faces, good, good challenges when you give them a cheeseburger, fries and a milkshake. And it seems like from our research, burger brands overall, like the top line revenue is just like higher than sandwiches. Yes. Do you see much more about the economic models being different? I know there's big variances, but um, no, the top line sales are definitely higher than than sandwiches, and you know, I, I think just cold food in general, you know, versus warm, you know, hot food, um, you just have a higher higher AUV, higher average ticket. The costs are, are probably relatively the the same. The food costs, the uh, the labor percentage, um, you know. Probably very similar to the sandwich business. And from what I understand, you know, you you guys have really distinguished yourselves in the better burger category. You know, for franchisees, they're able to open up, um, you know, with less capital. Yeah, it's not like a huge build out. And then also consumers, it's it's really all fresh, not frozen products. Could you elaborate more on kind of how you guys are differentiated for consumers as well as then for franchisees? Well, as you said, we're in the better burger segment. We wanted to be the player in for the on the investment side for a potential franchisee. We wanted to be the lowest cost, lowest point of entry um, in the better burger segment. We typically do our, our footprint is 16 to 1800 square feet, where some of the other guys are 2000, 2200 square feet. So that's a, and even bigger. So that's a, a, a bigger initial outlay in equipment, construction costs, and on ongoing um, heating, uh, air conditioning, labor. And um, we felt we can do the, the type of revenue that we wanted to do out of a, a 16 to 1800 square foot box. Hmm. Um, and that was also pre-delivery, um, which has added a, a whole nother revenue stream into the into the mix. So by also having that um, lower investment cost for the franchisee, we also wanted to position our ourselves to the consumer as the the lower cost when you're going out for a better burger um, and and not to break the bank. Okay. Uh, and we've been able to do that. So we position ourselves. We could go right across the street from one of our competitors, but be significantly less expensive. And the food costs will still remain the same hmm. um, as the uh, as the competitor across the street. So that's we've, we've really done well uh, by position, positioning ourselves that way in the market. And I'm sure in 2023, we're going to see, you know, people are tightening wallets where grocery store inflation and restaurant inflation, it goes like this, but now yeah. it seems like grocery stores are a little cheaper. So yeah. like uh, people still want to go out, but maybe they're not going to go out to one of your competitors, but they'll, they'll go to back, out to way back. Yeah. Let's, let's hope so. So COVID, I mean, you're in Connecticut down here in Miami beach. We didn't really have it. Like <laughs> it was like six weeks and uh, everything was pretty much back open. Um, but I imagine your franchisees had to adapt under your leadership and you had mentioned the the takeout component. Um, how else did you guys adapt uh, throughout the pandemic? Well, I, I really have to give a, a ton of credit to our franchisees because come three years ago, um, when everything shut down, now you're a business person and you're used to having 100 people in your restaurant the day before. 
and then you're told, you know, doors are locked. Um, and, and also had no idea if you opened up your doors, if you were going to get sick, um, or your employees were going to get sick or your guests coming into the restaurant. So, um, that was uh, very, very difficult and uncertain times for everybody. And, um, you know, and the rules were changing county by county, town by town, whether you could let people in the restaurant, not let people in the restaurant, whether it was all takeout. So um, as a as a business owner, um, it was very difficult. And our franchisees really weathered the storm um, for the first, it was probably the first two months until things evened out about six weeks. And just, you know, uh, again, they did a, a, a terrific job. And we had, we used to do a, an owner's call once a month. We were pretty much doing them almost daily with the franchisees for the first, Smart. probably the first six weeks. And then we, after everything started to settle down somewhat, then it was once a week or maybe twice a week as the PPP information came out and, and we could that get- That was a savior. Yeah. Talking to other um, franchise executives, like a lot of independent brands, they didn't, get the sec they didn't get the first round that fast or this either they didn't even get the second round and like right or they didn't know how to go about it and, yeah. and you know didn't have wasting time people helping them yeah so that was that was another big lifeline and uh you know uh, and a big uh thing that we had to jump into to to help franchisees do the paperwork and you know trying to get on online and and get to a bank that was this taking the application rush it yeah so but Having delivery all set up prior to COVID and integrating with the POS system and online ordering for eight or nine years prior to COVID really set us up for a success. So we weren't scrambling to do that after the fact. We had all those things in place. Really just, you know, that that was seamless because we already had it and it just um, it just took off. Having a mobile ordering app and, and we were able to figure out how to do curbside pickup um, through the mobile ordering app. So it just, um, everything worked, worked great. We got through it. Um, and the other thing that we, we really didn't have that some other people had were um, any major disruptions in our supply chain. Um, Very good. We never got shorted. Uh, beef. We never had to close any restaurants because we didn't have beef, or, you know, um, and or or buns or or any critical items. Um, so that was that's not um, bad. Even Chipotle, what, like, didn't have rice for like two weeks. <laughs> yeah, um, and you know, and it, it's funny when you think of the the whole world economy shuts down, and and then people complain that they, oh, I'm, you know, I can't get rice or I can't get a brown paper bag, and it's you know, and and that. Took a long time to get some of that. Was that um, just like relationships with the vendors? Um, that's really what it was, and and we did have one you know minor hiccup with the with the beef, but through a relationship with a, a food broker that we've known for thirty something years, he got us up and running with a secondary supplier, and so we never missed a, a beef delivery to any of the restaurants. And is it Wayback still owned by one family, or who, who it's, owns it's, Wayback? Um, it's privately owned. Um, two guys own it. We have 34 people here at the at the headquarters that work for the, the franchisor. I'm sure that makes a difference because like there's not um, it's not like publicly traded where every quarter you have to report to Wall Street or private equity where they're looking to flip the business in four years right. at the expense of franchisees sometimes. Yeah, uh, no, we're uh, yeah, we're privately held. So that that does definitely make a difference. And you know, the franchise, any franchisee can get myself on the phone, can get uh, John or Bill, who are the owners on the phone. We really consider it when you become a franchise, and it may sound, you know, a little corny, but when you become a way back franchisee, you're, you're becoming a partner with us, but you're really also becoming part of the family. 
you know, we treat the, the franchisees as if they're, you know, part of our family, just like we want them to treat the guests when they come in the restaurant as a family member or a guest coming into their, to their house for a party. Uh, we want them to treat them just as well as they would a, a friend or a family coming to their home for a party. So it seems like that may be, I was going to ask, like, what are the core values of the Wayback Burgers family? And it seems like that might be, you know, the number one treating guests as if it were your family. Yeah. Treating, we, we, the get the people that come in the in the restaurant we call them guests not customers our franchise as a franchisor our franchisees are our only guest so we have to treat you the same way we teach and coach you to treat the guests that come into the restaurant um you know with respect we like to have fun too we want you to have a great experience with us whether you're a franchisee or whether you're a guest coming in getting a, a great cheeseburger and fries very cool any other core values you see or or Items that you look for in franchisees too? All in is another one. Um, very big on on the team concept, uh, whether it's franchising or really in business. I'm a big sports fan. What are your teams? Uh, the Mets, the Giants, yeah. the Knicks, and the Rangers. Nice. So um, all, all New York teams. I grew up yeah. going to Mets games. Yeah. Old Chase Stadium. <laughs> yeah. It's much, City Field is much nicer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're right. <laughs> so I'm you know a big believer in the team concept. And, uh, and, and that, I think that translates to business is that That's you have I, to be the only way to be successful. The, game. the only, the only way <laughs> to be successful is to, you know, everybody has to be all in and, and have that team mentality and pulling for each other. And that's how you're going to win. And, and that's how we're going to win burger day. Uh, when somebody wants a burger that day, we want them to think of us and, um, you know, you all have to be in the, going in the same direction and that's people. Here at the Franchisees Support Center, the franchisees, their team members, um, everybody has to have that same mindset. And we were talking before we hit record, just like how franchisees get to know you. And it's like uh, someone's friend was a franchisee, family member, a franchisee, a franchisee opened another location. Um, so, you know, growing word of mouth, like the cost acquisition is, you know, significantly less and you don't have to like retrain the culture because they've already at least they've learned some of the cultural component when they join the system. Right. And it's nice to see as a, as a potential franchisee, if you talk to somebody that said, Oh yeah, I'm opening up my second location, my third location. Um, and I, or I bought this restaurant from the other guy who was retiring. Um, then they know, wow, you know what, if he's reinvesting in the brand and, and himself, um, he must be happy and he must be doing well. He must be making money. Yes. And there's, there's got to be something there. He has inside information because right. he sees it every day right. and he's living in it. <laughs> um, so we love to have those existing franchisees grow. And and um, it's funny, we were just talking about it. We uh, In March, every March we do um, regional business information meetings where we go out to the field and um, we just concluded them. So the last one was in Atlanta and we have a, a franchisee in Lansing, Michigan, and he couldn't make it. He and his wife couldn't make it, but they sent their children. And we were just talking about him about an hour ago. Um, their college, both of them were son and daughter, and they were college age. And one of the, our um, regional directors of operations said, I remember when that restaurant opened and his kids were, you know, little kids. Oh, that's fun. That's you nice. know, they were like uh, uh, grade school kids. He said it was, you know, amazing to see them, you know, 10, 12 years later coming to the to the meeting representing their parents. Well, I've seen with family businesses, people get a big, big leg up in entrepreneurship. If they grew up in that environment, if they saw, you know, what it's like managing payroll, marketing, whatever, like 
there's nothing like on the job training. Right. And I mean, I think if you're, if your family members are, and you, if you grew up like that, then it's just kind of inbred in you that, Hey, that's what I want to do. Um, you know, I, I'm going to go into maybe, maybe not the same brand as your parents, but, um, you know, you're going to want to get into a business of your own. And at that point, you, you said for your brand, like, thankfully you're on the up where franchisees are reinvesting and they're open on multiple units. But I was talking to um, someone that worked at a very large sandwich brand where one of their top multi-unit franchisees stopped opening more locations. Mm-hmm. And then everyone looks at him and was like, oh, well, what, what's going on? He's not opening more. And since then, the brand has like basically you can track the unit count. It, like it's really in a downward trajectory. So right. it's so important that the franchisees are because everyone looks up to them. Current franchisees will look up to them. Prospective franchisees will look up to them. Right. I mean, we love new blood, too, coming in. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Uh, but, but uh, they're going to look at the success stories of that franchisee that's now opening up his third. Right. Yeah, we have a uh, and, and we typically start out as only awarding one franchise at a time. Um, so now that we have, I think it's about 42 percent of the system are multi-unit franchisees. So that's growing over time. That's great. And they're not like contractually obliged to do it where they're, no. like I talked to a franchisee in Massage Envy and like they have to open up a few. Yeah. And I've spoken to other franchisees of uh, larger restaurant chains where they like, acquired 10 and they still had seven left in the development agreement. Right. And they got killed opening those seven. And they're like, why did I, why yeah. did I do that? Right. right. Yeah. That's um, something we typically don't do. Um, yeah. It's definitely we, a healthier and it also like you don't want to give like all of Orlando to someone that's not proven. Like if they you don't they, know how if they're gonna they can ruin the market the way back right. burgers culture and make money and be a good positive influence. Right. One of the owners here says, um, and he's the chief development officer, and he always says, Look, and you know, you do have a fair amount of people, oh, you know what, but I'm I wanna be the only franchisee in my area. I wanna do multiple units, I wanna, you know, do five, six, uh, you know, that's what I wanna do. That's you gotta you gotta grant me five or six licenses. And he said, look, we're all about growth. Um, but you know, I, we consider this like a marriage and, you know, let's date and we'll get married. And then if we're happy with each other, then we'll have another child together and we'll, you know, we'll be happy to do another restaurant with you. Um, but, um, let's do the first one. Let's, you know, let's get married first and see how that goes. Yeah. I like that. And yeah. yeah, the term award, it's, it's, a you're awarding. Yeah. We're not selling, um, because uh, again, um, it has to work for both of us. If you're a person that, uh, you know, comes to our discovery day and, and asks a lot of off the wall questions or, you know, we're just not a fit. And, you yeah. know, we're, we're also big into fundraising and, and giving back to the community. Um, and if, you know, if, if we get signals from you that that's not what you, you know, I don't want to give money back. I'm, I'm probably not a right fit w- for each other and it's not going to work. Um, you're not going to be successful. You're not going to be happy. Um, we're not going to be happy. So, you know, why bother doing this? We, you know, we both have to get along. We both have to live together for a long time. Yeah. And what's um, the contract? 10 years? 20 years. 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, we want, uh, we want people that are going to be happy with us and, and we want, people that we're going to be happy with. And, you know, we, we have that synergy. So yeah, that's why we, we call it awarding franchises and not, not selling franchises. We're not selling cars. Uh, exactly. So tell me a little bit like startup costs. How, how much does it cost to, to get into way back? Uh, total investment right now is about 600,000 to open up the doors. 
including your nice. franchise fee, your your construction to the to the restaurant, the equipment package, signage, um, inventory, and the refrigerator. Everything all in um, investment. You mentioned a bit of the square foot, where compared to some of the other better burger concepts that are above two thousand, you can be more in the sixteen hundred, eighteen hundred square foot space. What's your ideal site look like? Um, in a, um, most of them are, are in shopping centers. We don't build anything from the ground up. We look for an end cap in a in a nice shopping center with other tenants that are going to drive traffic, a supermarket, a gym, also shopping centers that are um, easy to get in and out of. You know, you can have a great tenant mix, but if you can't make a left hand turn into that shopping center, can't make a left hand turn if there's not a light. That's a factor. Um, it's a seven-day-a-week business, so we're looking for residential, but also uh, business in the area that's going to drive your week time, weekday lunch business. Nights and weekends are going to be done by residential. Although today, with people doing the hybrid work schedule, yeah, that's that's kind of changed a little bit of the. For some locations, it's changed the lunch lunchtime business, and yeah. in other locations, it's changed it in a positive way. People working from home. Still have to eat, and they're not always eating lunch you at home. Get out every of the day. house, right? Yeah. And they may order for delivery for lunch. Huh. So, so that that's been a you know interesting change over the last couple of years with the workforce, and it doesn't seem like it's going to go back a hundred percent to office buildings anytime soon. You have JP Morgan that's mandating it for like their managing directors and trying to get everyone else on board. But um, right now, I mean, with unemployment the way it is, like employees can a lot of pushback jobs somewhere yeah. else and. Once you get used to hybrid work, like it's right. a lifestyle, people a lot of people like it. I personally like going to an office, but so do I. A lot of people uh, they don't, and that's that's fine, and that's it's a hard habit to change back. Yeah, I, I came in every, still come in every day. I I said, you know, I just couldn't work at home and live at home and be at home for twenty four hours a day. I think I only didn't go to the office for uh, like five days. Because okay. in Miami, we were allowed to, there weren't really restrictions. So I was like, hey, I'm getting out. I want to right. go on a walk and, and go right. to work. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, I know you're not down here in South Florida yet. I have to drive up next time I'm in uh, Orlando, Daytona area, Titusville. But yeah. where do you guys want to be opening up? Like, are there any particular cities or states where you're like, a way back uh, is going to kill it here? Actually, the the Southeast, we, we have a lot of growth in the Southeast and the Southwest. California right now. We're opening up our first restaurants in Utah, Arizona. We've never been in those states before, and they'll open up uh, this year. There's another state um, that uh, we've awarded a franchise in, in, in uh, New Orleans. You know, it, it really st- way back started in Delaware um, in 1991, and it kind of grew Delaware, Pennsylvania, and then moved the headquarters up to Connecticut. So that... Um, there's a you know a large concentration of our restaurants in the in the Northeast, but um, the Carolinas, Georgia, Florida, um, really growing. You know, it's it's usually the the two coasts grow out first, and then you start filling in the middle of the country. I know in California they've targeted fast food restaurants, but I wonder if you guys have benefited because I think it's above 500 units or above a thousand units is the mandate. No, I think it's above. It, it will it will affect us if that law goes into. Uh, okay. I think it's so above a hundred or, or fifty. Oh, above a hundred. Okay. But I I really believe and hope that that's going to get um, voted down now that they More. they did a referendum I think and it and so it has to go to the voters where the the legislature tried to push it through on their own. So I, I think it's going to be pushed off. And and when it goes to a vote, I would I would think that the voters the you know the 
the restaurant association, the international franchisees, franchise association, they're all behind making a big effort yeah. to make sure that I think the it. message just needs to be clear. Like where if the business isn't economically viable, franchisees won't open up multiple locations and they won't hire more people. And then people right. leave California like they already are. And it's yeah. a vicious it's, circle. It's just also not, um, you're not having a level playing field for, so a, a guy that opens up an independent burger restaurant across yeah. the street from me um, doesn't have to comply with that law. And that's, that, so that's giving him a competitive advantage over me. And that's yeah. not fair. And they're all I'm independent like, business owners. At the end of the day, you know, your franchisees, they have like one, two, owners. three, four, five locations, but they're still, it's still a relatively it, small business. Yeah. They're independent business owners. And I, you know, sometimes the lawmakers don't, uh, don't understand. I don't think that they understand franchising sometimes. No, but there's just someone that's like, printing millions and millions of dollars. That <laughs> right. Yeah. Some of those um, legislations are, are a, a bit uh, off the wall. I meant to ask, what's the breakdown between delivery and takeout and, and, and dining? Um, delivery dining. right now um, is running probably 25% of our sales. So um, a big chunk. But I would tell you probably for the most part, not to say that they'll never come into the restaurant, but, um, you know, a fair amount of them are delivery customers. So hmm. um, they're not they're not getting off their couch. They're you know, they're ordering um, for delivery, whether it's from Wayback or a pizza place or a steakhouse or a Chinese. Um, that's what they do. Not to say that we don't try and get them, you know, in every DoorDash and Uber bag. Yeah. You know, we're putting something in that bag to make them give them an incentive to come into the restaurant or to order on our channels instead of ordering through the, uh, the marketplace where they so, take a big clip. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, we're very happy with the delivery because it's been really, uh, for the most part, it's been an incremental business. Yeah. That's huge. Um, so Patrick, you've been on the franchisee side, franchise development side operations all over in, in a few different franchise organizations. Any, any advice for, for prospective franchisees or people that want to get an entrepreneurship? Yeah. Number one, I would say um, probably not just franchising, but if you if you like people and you and you like food, get you know, and, and you want to be in business, then look at the restaurant business. If you don't like people, uh, <laughs> you don't like food, but you like pets, uh, you like dogs and cats, then look at a, a at a at a grooming franchise or something like that. Then you probably don't want to get into the restaurant business. I'm a big believer in that. Whatever you're gonna do, you have to love what you do. You have to and you. You have to enjoy what you do. It's it's not your not your whole life, but it's going to be a big part of your life. So you have to do what you're happy with, and 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 you and you really you, you can't wake up in the morning and say, oh God, I got to go to work. You know, once you start doing that, then it's time to get out of whatever you're doing, and and to make a, a career change or a life change, um, because it is such a it, it, you know it's a big part of of your life. So. Um, that's that that would be the number one thing. Decide on something that you're passionate about and you and that you enjoy doing. Um, and then then look down that path in, in the franchising world, whatever system that you're looking at, go and talk to franchisees, visit, yeah. visit them, see how how they like what they're doing, how they like what their interaction is with the franchisor. Um, if they're if they're happy and and that's probably your best feedback. And, and to really, you know, investigate and, and try the product if it's a food product. See if you like it. If you don't like hamburgers, then don't probably don't get in the hamburger business. No. <laughs> uh, but, um, 
yeah, and and go into it with open eyes, ask a lot of questions, and um, have a passion for what you for what you want to do. Yeah, and I think that passion can come from the industry and or like mentoring and and people and like getting really that because you love people, you love having them live their best selves and. And then the employees um, getting better. And I've heard a lot of restaurant entrepreneurs say they just love seeing uh, the guests smile. Yeah. Like after like a nice meal and that like really gets them going. Right. And, you know, I mean, and we have a, a franchisee here in Connecticut and he I was in his restaurant one day and um, and, a, and a guest came in and said, hey, do you remember? And he was like, yeah, I haven't seen you in a while. And he brought his his son or his daughter, I forget, and and the franchise. He said, "Oh my God, I remember you. You you. I remember your dad coming in here and pushing you in a in a baby carriage. And, and what are you doing now?" And he said, "Oh, he just went off to college. He just huh. came back for spring break or whatever." And so he's seen the generation um, growth of his guests, and that's yeah. you know uh, that's a pretty neat thing. You know, also he just great guest service, customer service that he remembered, you know, and he's like that with, uh, and, and for him, I think it's a kick. Um, you know, people come in and he was like, Hey Jim, I haven't seen you in such a long time. Where have you been? How's your wife doing? And, um, it's a big difference. So you just have that. You're going to have a natural affinity to go back to that place. Cause you felt better. <laughs> yeah. And you know, and on the, on the guest side, that's the kind of place that you want to visit and you want to frequent. It makes you feel like norm from cheers. That's the thing we can teach you how to, how to flip burgers and make milkshakes and, and, you know, make great French fries. I can't teach you to have a personality. I can't train you to be, you know, I can kind of train you to be friendly, but if you're not friendly, if it's not within you, if that's not you, nobody's going to be able to teach you that. It has to yeah. be genuine. You have to be able, you'd have to be an outgoing person. You're not going to be able to be taught that. That's a, you know, that's an inherent quality. Well said. Yeah. I mean, looking at some, some of the great, like, restaurant and convenience store chains like Wawa's, they do like $20 million. And uh, it's just all about like making people feel welcome and being that community center. And like they had a stat where like guests hold the door open like longer than other places (laughs) compared to their customers, compared to their competitors. So it's like what you give from your franchisors to the franchisees to their customers is contagious. Yeah, absolutely. I think very few businesses like really understand that and execute. On, yeah. on that. Well, Patrick, what's the best way for someone to get more information on Wayback if they're interested in becoming a franchisee? Starting out, it would be to go to the Wayback Burgers website, waybackburgers.com. You'll see uh, the franchising tab, but you'll also see all kinds of great uh, food shots in our menu. Even if you if you don't want to become a franchisee and get information, you'll you, maybe you'll become a guest in one of our restaurants. Patrick, I really enjoyed this conversation. Thanks for opening up too about your experience and yeah, all about way back as well as franchising. And uh, again, really appreciate your time. Yeah, not a problem. Thanks for the time, Patrick. Take care. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast episode. You can leave us a review if you enjoyed the podcast episode. If you hated the podcast episode, let us know what you thought as well as what future episodes you'd like to hear. Feel free also to drop me a line at patrick at vettedbiz.com and subscribe please to our YouTube channel, Business and Franchise Opportunities by Vetted Biz. This has been Franchise Findings Podcast. Thanks for listening.